This episode is brought to you by Newsly, Quips and Cups, and Bubbles and Baguettes. Make sure you check out the links below. Thank you, Newsly. Thanks, Quips and Cups. And thank you, Bubbles and Baguettes. Kira and I are here with Falk Henschel. We are kind of geeked out because in addition to being a backup dancer, hello, he is also an actor and filmmaker, and he's also Hawkman in the Arrowverse, which is like, ah, <laughs> for me, because I am that girl. But I am told that you are a geek for independent film. I do. I just got into it. I've been trying to, after every big picture I did, I, I called my agents. I was like, okay, so let's use this time now to do indie. And I never, it never happened. It seemed like the indie world was way harder to break into uh, than the mainstream world, which is funny. Um, so I set out to do it on my own and I got really lucky. I found Charlie Teal, who is in the film Swap Me Baby, that we that was my first film that I produced, which is a, um, do you guys see it? Swap Me Baby? I have not. I haven't seen it, but I did see the thing and the premise behind it, and it looks like it's hysterical. Like, it's almost it's really like funny. Freaky Friday meets, um, like, <laughs> it's, it, it's just, it, it looks fun, so I'm going to actually... The adult, it's the adult Freaky Friday. Yeah, that's what I was like, I was yeah. sitting here like, and then, you know, being a mom myself, like, seeing that swap, I'm just like, I need to watch this now. <laughs> but yeah, so you guys, you guys are the, per you guys are the perfect audience, you know, we were... Uh, so to, to finish up, it's it's a Freaky Friday concept, but we wanted to do something original and, and find something on it that hasn't been done, which was the adult angle, right? It was like, you know, uh, what what would it be like to have a, a female body for men and vice versa? And then she was pregnant eight months for real in real life. And so we were like, that's a good switch for us yeah. to explore that and to you know go into that world and being a pregnant uh woman like what is that like and uh we ended up a day before shooting we figured out the other character the character that i play um that we play is a french gigolo tripping on mushrooms who loves life who's very excited about everything and who you know she's a more uptight businesswoman who got a gigolo for a night gets pregnant and um, the movie starts in a therapy session where they get sent off to a retreat where a magical box makes them swap bodies and hilarity ensues. I, I know you're an actor, you're a dancer, you're a choreographer, you're a writer, you're now a producer. I mean, there's like, really, do you sing too? Because <laughs> I, I've always wished I could sing. I could trade all my talents for singing because you don't, you don't need a studio. You don't need a financier. You can just go on the street and sing. Um, I can hold a tune, and I think if I had time to prepare for something, I'd be okay. But I'm not. I'm no Beyonce. Oh, okay. Well, you know, there's still time to to nail that one last trait, and then you can just be, you know, the jack of all trades, master of all at that point. Um, so I do know though that you did break into short films, like in 2006. Right, and you yeah, wrote your. That's how my career one. got started. Yeah, and you wrote your first one. Who is Bobby Domino? What was that in two thousand eight? That was man. You guys are good. You're doing research and shit. I have to tell you that this this doesn't exist anymore in journalism. You know, you you'd be surprised how many interviews I've done where people have no idea. So it's so nice to have you have like done your research and everything. That's really awesome. Um, yeah, that was that was 2006, 2006 was the time where I kind of gave up on the industry because I couldn't get an agent, I couldn't get a manager, I couldn't get a student film. Uh, I was either that bad or just bad luck. And I had some money from my dance and choreography career and I was about to, you know, go home. And I was like, I just want to do one film that is like a, looks like a Hollywood film, is exciting. And I was like, I guess I do it myself. I had... $14,000 to my name and I spent I think almost all of it um met Jesse Lumen who directed that and wrote it with me and was a huge mentor in the writing process he studied at UCLA became best friends so it was one of the best investments I've ever made uh he then also wrote Swap Me Baby 16 years later finally fulfilled our dream to do a feature together and um yeah that 
that short didn't go anywhere. Uh, it's really fun. You can, I think it's on the web. Uh, it's great, but no festivals, nothing. But it gave me my first reel, and that reel got me in in the long run. Got me night and day. Uh, Which I was saw you in. You were amazing in that. You were amazing in that. And for people who don't know, night and day. He, he played an assassin um, in this movie, and it, it starred Tom Cruise and uh, uh, Cameron Diaz. And it, it was a great movie. I loved it. Um, so kudos to that. And I was wondering, I was going to ask, because like I did notice your short film history, and then all of a sudden, bam, you're in Night and Day. And I was like, wow, he just really just nailed it. Yeah, so, it just, it just kind of happened. Somebody saw that film, uh, not somebody, I'll tell you the story. Uh, I was in one of those Melrose Place things in LA where there's a lot of different apartments and playing poker with my neighbor, uh, who was an agent at at, the, at a big commercial agency, and we just played poker. I didn't know, and we were just friends. And she knew I was an actor, uh, and she saw the film. And then we did another thing called the present trailer. We just made a concept trailer for a script that we had, and she saw both. And she goes, "Oh, you can act." I was like, yeah, I've been telling you for like the last six years. What are you talking about? And she's like, oh, I mean, everybody in LA is an actor, but I'm going to show this to a friend of mine who's a manager who became my first real manager. I had a few, but never worked out. Um, yeah, and he he used them. And I think a few months after that, um, you know, we got an agent. Then I had a psychotic event, which we can talk about that put me out of life and was a spiritual awakening. And a year to the date after that, I got nine day. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. Um, now I know you said we could talk about it. So I want to broach Anything. that subject with you um, because it's a, it's a huge awareness thing and I, mental health is very important to us and things like that. So um, as comfortable as you are sharing, uh, what was it that kind of made you spiral? Oh, man, I feel like most people now probably know because COVID happened and we just, I keep saying this, I feel like we are undergoing a mass psychotic event right now. Mm -hmm. So I feel like most people maybe find a sliver to relate to an actual psychosis, like an individual psychosis. Mm -hmm. What happened is my, my idea of how the world works, my values, they were so rattled. In my case, uh, at that point, six years of trying to make it with zero success. I'm a family person. Gave up a relationship that I really loved. It could have been somebody I could have really been with. Um, it all worked out in the end. But, you know, giving that up, being so lonely, having no real friends. Um, depressed. I was meditating like crazy. I wanted to expand my consciousness. I wanted to wake up from this rat race like i was aware always i was always seeking seeking the deeper truth then i started to experiment with medicine completely unguided medicine meaning back then weed cannabis um not in a in a, in a safe controlled environment but just on my own and, and poking around and it just thins the veil you know it just makes you people say oh weed makes me paranoid it's like it doesn't make you paranoid it just makes you aware of you having anxiety you know and so all that together just made me pop. It made me not cope anymore. I wasn't sure, like, what am I doing here? What is life about? And I slowly but surely just the constructs of the world fell apart. And it's powerful because you realize eh, the world ain't real. It's whatever you make it. You know, yes, we agree upon certain things, but COVID was a great example. We started to agree on fucking bonker shit, you know, and yeah. I'm not judging, <laughs> not judging anything. It's okay. But like you look around and I had a lot of people where I'm like, are you okay? You know, like you, you took this way far into the fear world and that's a psychosis when you suddenly yeah. behave in a manner. And, and luckily on a mass psychosis, you have people to point to, to go, well, no, everybody's doing it and you're safe. But I wonder if we look back at this time and go, yeah, we had a massive mental problem, you know, and not saying that COVID was a, a mental fig figment. That's not right. what I'm saying. It was the solitary and, and all the of that. The solitary. Yeah. And I think the response, I always said about COVID, it's a 99.9% .9 chance of surviving. And yes, there's, you know, comorbidities that make that worse. But at the same time, the reaction to something like that 
is in my opinion was like what are we doing right i ride horses my chances of dying are way higher every day i'm on a horse why would i why would i continue to ride a horse but lock myself up you know it's not that simple but you know what i'm saying it was just like a clear sign of we are scared we are not feeling strong enough anymore to handle life and then paralleled with we are scared to offend people we are scared everything needs to be a safe space where i'm like that's not how life works you better get comfortable with discomfort because that's where growth happens you know if not then you know you're just stagnant i like that i I like that you said that because i i believe the same thing in that you know through you know, the trials and um, all of the issues that you might have in life, those big moments where, you know, they, they're pivotal in, in, in growth and development. And, and yeah, it's yes. like, I always tell my kids, I'm like, the, the hard right is always better than the easy wrong. And sometimes the hard right is doing the thing that's going to hurt you the most or, you know, not be the best thing for you in that time frame, but will be better for you in the long run. So, Absolutely. I mean, I'm glad that you said that because that's, it's very important. Well, the moment you open up, you know, whether you st- take it from a spiritual perspective or a physical perspective, you, you open up to working out and changing your body, you open up to growth and with that pain, that's just, there's no, it's a duality. It's like, you can't, I think people just don't like the idea that, you know, just growing pains as a kid, like remember when your joints hurt? You know, and you sleep and you're just like, oh, I'm so uncomfortable. That's what it is. And I think that's the time that we're in. And I think it was thrust upon. That's why compared to psychosis, it was thrust upon society. And I think some people are taking it and they're going more into their concepts and just, you know, trying to not see. And then some people are going, shit, like, what was I living? You know, like my job, you know, we're in, in so many ways, like, career what does that mean stability what does that mean like it's it's gone you know right yeah. you know i was ter- i was extremely terrified when for me and I, I don't have again i don't have i never have a political stance or anything i'm 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 a trauma release person so like it's all love but when the vaccine mandates hit uh, hollywood i remember that i just my world crashed um because I, I was just like, I can't, I can't be a part of a system that is currently very loudly saying we cannot discriminate. And then at the same time, finding the new way to discriminate. And I was like, so I stepped out and I, I was like, look, I'm not, I'm not showing, I won't say, but I won't ever show a document labeling me and then, you know, and, and supporting something where somebody who can't get the vaccine or, or it's just religious, whatever it is, just doesn't agree with it. You know, I, I don't want to support uh, ostracizing people that disagree, even if I disagree with them. And I'm German, but I came to America. And the one thing that I love about America is I will defend, I might not agree with you, but I will defend your right to have that opinion to my death. And it comes to responsibility. You know, it's sort of like, it is my responsibility to take care of my wound that you're triggering me with being different. You can be a racist towards me, but I'm going to call myself and still give you a hug because you can't hug yourself. You know, we're getting very woo woo, but, and it was, it was horrifying because I had a kid, you know, the kid was new. My career was at a good place. I was like steadily working and the big break was going to come, whatever. And, um, you know, I did Hawkman the last episode, the 100th episode, and I got into Canada. I had to quarantine. I wasn't vaccinated um, then. And, it was like, okay, well, my career's over. You know, it's just, just is. And that came a huge freedom of like, all right, so my idea of a career is over. Let's rebuild. Let's find different people. Let's, what do I stand for? What do I want to do? You know, and I don't think I could have ever had the courage to do that without COVID. You know, I don't know why COVID, but there was something about this stance of like, no, like pharmaceuticals, I just don't want in my life, you know, not against them, but I don't even take aspirin, you know, (laughs) like, uh, I'm just somebody who's like, 
I'll just do me. And yeah, it rocked my world pretty, pretty dramatically. And if it wasn't for medicine work, ayahuasca, all those things, I don't think I, and for my kid, my son saved my life. If I didn't have that purpose, and I was still that actor, that young actor who's like, you know, defining who I am by my success and, and how I'm seen, I would have not survived it. So I, I commend you, whatever your journey was to, yeah, to just sort of go, all right, you know, something new. I don't know how it's going to go. Thank you for sharing that with us. You know, like, I really, I really do appreciate you being so open uh, to talk about all of that. Um, I know a lot of it isn't fun. <laughs> uh, it's, not, no. I, it's not fun to talk about and it's not fun to, um, and because when you talk about it, you kind of relive a little bit of that little, that moment. And yeah. so I do appreciate you taking the step to, to share your journey with that um, so that way we can help bring about more awareness for, for that sort of thing. Um, mm. So I do have a question and I'm sure Pup has questions and I, I like to talk a lot. So I'm going to let Pup talk after I ask this question because it's, it's the most important question in my mind. Okay. So um, you played Hydra mercenary Marcus, AKA Whiplash. Yeah. And you played Hawkman, which is, you know, Whiplash is MCU and uh, <laughs> Hawkman is uh, DC. So do you have a preference? Are you like a DC guy? Are you an MCU guy? I love that you just talked about your like existential shift in life. And then you're like, but the most important question, the most important question. I love it. Um that is a good question. And I would say I love the MCU more as a uh, as an audience. Hey, because I'm more of a movie person, you know, like I, I I enjoy movies more. Again, transparency is I'm kind of by the time I got to Hawkman, I was kind of tired of superheroes. Um, as an audience, as an audience. I had never played it um before, only super villain. But they were both fun, you know, they were both completely different experiences. Bad guys are always easier because you you're supposed to get judged. So just do it. Go big, you know, or right. do, you know, I got the mohawk and I got to just like walk, jump on that table and take out a bunch of guys. Like it's just uh really fun. And then Hawk, Hawkman was, I talk about this a lot now. Um no bad blood there. I love everybody on that show. I had a good experience, but it was very challenging because I had a different idea. I was very excited about 2,000 years old, reincarnation, 206 lifetimes with the same relationship. Again, love, romance, sexuality. What can we explore? Somebody that has been around maybe in the times of Gandhi, Jesus, all that stuff. But what is that? And I had a very different take on Hawkman than what you actually see in the show. In The Flash, you see most of my ideas, that cockiness, that mm -hmm. who cares if she dies? You know, like... She's just going to come back. <laughs> yeah, wait. it's like I saw him. I, I pitched him as a Tony Stark on crack, you know? Mm -hmm. Just kind of like, you know, you, you, he didn't wear a leather jacket. He wore, like, a, a tweet suit because he's kind of an old dude, you know, that just yeah. fell in love with that era clothing and he you know he's kind of like above everything but also extremely vulnerable when you get to it and we just didn't have time you know we had nine superheroes and legends mm -hmm. um and that's not the format this was so the experience was was again challenging lots of growth i'm happy for it and uh also just yeah it was like it was supposed to be the role that changes everything. That was the other thing too, right? You're constantly told like, this is the thing that will get you here. And then you can finally do this little $5 movie that you actually want to do. Right. Um, and that didn't happen. So uh, it was, you know, this is all kinds of experience on that one. Yeah. Well, would you be open to, as since you were a writer now and you're breaking into the indie scene, as far as that's concerned, would you think about maybe approaching that idea of the thousands of year olds, you know, multiple past lives kind of experience. And, you know, maybe yes. like think about doing a series on that because that's my jam. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. No, I love that. I, it's funny that you say that because the, the one thing I've been playing with for a while is a script that I wrote with a friend of mine called Eternal Dusk. And it's actually, it's a vampire story. 
but what kicks us into it is I've always was fascinated by the aspect of being around for that long, outliving loved ones. And then as we were approaching having kids in our minds, actually, that's a lie. No, that was way earlier. So that wasn't even there. But I had this thing of like, what if you sat with a, a lady that looked like in her 80s and somebody like me, and then they died and you find out that's the daughter that didn't die tragically. You just have to outlive them. And that was a scene. That's usually how I get into a story is with one scene. And and I like, I'm, I'm a mushy guy. I like romance. I like sentimental things that make me cry. You know, like Horse Gump is one of my favorite films. And and so I had this story and I've been thinking of retooling it. We have this script uh, with the, basically doing the Hawkman story, but focusing on, yeah, you've been around forever. What did you learn, you know? Um, and maybe you were some of these figures that you hear of, and then you like, I don't want to offend any religious people, anything, but like Jesus, it's like, right. what if somebody was Jesus, but he's like, no, nah, that shit was painful and none of y'all changed, you know, or like just, just a funny approach have some right. levity, but also the pain of like, you know, there's so many characters in history that I just think are fascinating to explore from a human, uh, approach versus the, the mystical approach. No, so I'll yes, agree with you on that. If I find another patron, uh, uh, I will. That is right now, I think, at the top of my list. This is what the industry needs. We are having such trouble finding a way to, you know, we get distribution easily now, right? You make a movie, you put it on Amazon, you put it on YouTube, you put it, it's there. But how do you reach your audience and how do you make it so that you can just sustain? My company, I've always said, I don't need to make any money. I just need to pay everybody fairly, right. you know, and, and then be great if we got our budget for the next one. But when I talk to investors, I call them patrons. The first thing I say is, look, Hollywood lies to you. There's no guarantee. Mm -hmm. And also, if you are wanting a profit out of this, we're immediately canceling out uh, a natural process of inspiration. Right. Because you have to have this star. And you have to have right now a concept of a franchise or an existing property. And you have to have this and this and this. And some restrictions I think are great. I like genre films. I like just putting some restrictions in place. But when it's profit-based, profit-driven, it just kills that environment of newness, inspiration, you know, and that, that's what I want. So I tell investors, look, you got to be fortunate enough, your gift is you know how to channel money and you want to buy a painting. You know, I need the people that would buy a Mona Lisa mm -hmm. that love film that much that say, Ooh, I, this idea that you guys have, you know, you, you're talking to, heard you talk to Kira, uh, I like figure it out. I'll finance it. I want, I just want to see this and hang it on my wall. The wall being the world's wall. Mm -hmm. And then you can have profit. If the Mona Lisa now suddenly becomes a $50 million thing, um, yeah, great. Let's all share in it. You know, the yeah. company is profit share for every artist. Um, so yeah, if you're if you're watching right now, just write me at patronagefilms at gmail.com or hit up Kira or hit up Pop and yeah. Patronagefilms at gmail. Yeah, dot com. Yeah, I haven't set up a website or anything. I I've my thing is I want to produce films. I don't want to run a company. That's the real honest truth. It's real transparency. I want, I, I need to find a, you know, uh, a business person that is excited as much about changing how we do things and run things um, in a way that is self-sustaining. Because I, yeah, I had the money for the film. And I think if you see the film, it's very small, but I think the quality, you, you look at it and you, you saw the trailer, you know, so it's a legit film. And, um, but the whole company aspect of it, uh, it's, I just don't have any joy in that. I'm not, it's not my uh, for, you know, forte to do that. So again, I'm, I'm looking for a lot of people marketing, um, you know, business people. Well, we'll help wherever we can. Yay! Nita Kira, you need someone who has ADHD and smokes crack and... <laughs> I don't smoke crack, but I behave like... You don't I smoke crack? No. <laughs> no. Oh, cool. I quit a couple of years ago. It was really bad for my figure. <laughs>
No, that's, I mean, I totally get what, get, get what you're saying, because if I didn't have Kira doing the, the smart person part of this, <laughs> I would, I would be lost. I mean, so many times she's like, oh, check out this check, you know, check out this site, check out this organization. Look, you can do this. And I had to teach myself how to resize photos for the website. I'm like, I don't know anything except talking to people and finding people to talk to. So together we're a perfect team. So you got to get yourself. I love that. I love that. It's important. And it's, and I I didn't think it was going to be this difficult. You know, I thought as an actor, my frustration was, well, give me the power. I'll produce it so I can do what I want. But it was, it's so hard. I mean, when we did our first round of publicity, we're finding a publicist. And I was like, look, I want authentic conversations. The vaccine thing when we first started was really high. And I was like, look, I'm just not scared to talk about it. I'm not going to alienate or have an opinion that is one-sided. Yo, the publicists were like, nah, we don't do that. You know, and I was like, man, it's really. And then the same, like you talk to marketing people and you talk to fellow producers and you're like, look, I'm just trying to do something that's not there. I'm trying to find pioneers. Part of me is like, I just need to find 19-year-olds. Or like people below a certain age because they're like, they don't know the system yet almost, you know, but anybody that's in the system, they'll, they'll be on your side, but they argue with you why the system is this way and why you need a star because like, well, then you get your money. And I'm like, yeah, but I've done that and I see it on TV. It doesn't work. You know, I'm no longer inspired by most of the things that are released. I do feel like the movie industry has changed in a way. And I wonder if it's, it is catering to the millennials because I mean, look, like we're still buying superhero movies. It's the same story. And I love, love them, but let's really face it. There isn't any human element anymore. They're superheroes. You can't relate to them. They're cool, but I'm like, we're still eating it. We're still eating McDonald's. You know what I mean? Really good McDonald's, well-crafted. You know, like everybody that does these movies, wonderful artists. Like, it's not about that, but earlier days of Hollywood, there was one star that you got to greenlight some. You know, you got Tom Hanks to do Forrest Gump and Robert Zemeckis. But then it was like, screw the studio. We got to finish the movie this way. It's got to be this. There was still, we've lost this leather jacket, smoking Harley Davidson riding artist mentality of like, I'm telling the story. I'm not trying to get you to like me. I'm not researching the algorithm of this is what we need. This is what's like, I don't give a, excuse my language. I don't give a fuck about whether you like me or not. That's not my job. You know, why are we researching? And I get it because of finances and they're expensive art pieces that we are making or entertainment, but the artists used to start the conversation at the cooler, at the water cooler. Now we're listening in on the conversation of the millennials and the everybody, and we're going, they want this. Give yeah. it to them. Well, and, and so we're not rocking the boat. The first um, the first rule of mark, like the whole point of marketing though, is to market to people things in a way they don't know what pe- people don't know what they want until you show them, you know, and then that's when they're like, oh yeah, I want that. You know, like that's the whole point of marketing and and things like that is to help people understand what they want, even though they don't realize they want it. Well, unfortunately, because of the algorithm, it's a loop. Yeah. We're giving them what they want is what they want. And they're telling us it's this. That's why I'm saying there is very it's like stagnant, like name one thing that you don't know right now that's on streaming. Very little, you know, especially the successful stuff. House of Dragons, Lord of the Rings. Uh, Disney Plus is all superhero, you know. The, I think the main, the last bastion of creativity is Pixar. You know, they're they're still like doing random stories where you're like, oh, well, that's interesting. You know, I didn't think of that. Um, yeah. Well, I I have to interject, and I don't know if it was Pixar or not. It might have been DreamWorks, but I just watched Spies in Disguise, which was voiced. Um, Will Smith. Uh, Will Smith and Tom Holland. And I laughed my ass off. Oh, I, it, yeah. keep going. Oh, for sure. Did you see it? I watched it, I think, two night, two days ago with my boy. Okay. 
when the a little too exciting for a two-year-old don't do that again but i always have to be like calm down it's okay but 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 when the real pigeon is following will smith's pigeon and trying to be like him and he gets run over by the luggage cart i i was laughing so hard but you're right there's a lot or there's a lack of creativity in current films i'm gonna leave them mcu alone because that those films were a source of comfort to me at a dark time. So I'm going to leave it. They can be both. Yeah. I think they can be both just because I'm criticizing doesn't mean I highly appreciate them. You know, I think Chris Hemsworth is hilarious at Thor. I I like that he added humor to it. I was always pointing to him when I was like, can we do that with Hawkman? Um, (laughs) You know, there's, it's, I want to make this clear that I'm not bashing what is, I just want there to be more space um, for what it can also be or has been and can be brought back in new and exciting ways. Right. Um, you're, not, you're not mad at what is, but you're asking what else? Yes. Yeah, exactly. We got we got that covered. I think they're going to be able to make these superhero things for the next 40 years. They're going to be successful. They get the funding for it. They have their audience. It's, an, it's a big niche. You know, it's not a niche. It's a, it's a ginormous place. Um, and so I'm just sort of like, okay, like what if as an actor, you want to just play a dad in an exciting, big story, you know, you look at what's another legends of the fall. Did you ever see that mm-hmm. legends of the fall? Legend that movie's fall. a drama about brothers and love a family and it costs 50, I don't know, 40, 50 million dollars on horses is massive. That's gone. That's what I want to act in, right? So it's like, if you're an actor, you just sort of look at it and go, I'm fucked. I will never get to do my dream. So I have to somehow create it. A Braveheart. And that's just done. You know, right. Those things are gone. Well, see, and that's the thing is, like, I was sitting there thinking about it as you guys were talking about all of that. And, like, my favorite movie era is, like, the 80s. I feel like they came out with some of the best, most brilliantly devised stories um, you know, like you had Highlander with, you know, Christopher Lambert, you had, um, I love the Highlander. They can only Runner. Be- you had all of these really fantastic judge dread and like, you had all of these like fantastic movies coming out. And so, yeah, it is, it's like, I kind of, I watched those movies, um, to kind of have like that nostalgia because that isn't yeah. present anymore. And it's, it's actually no. very sad. So I'm all, yeah, it's just the- that. <laughs> Yeah, I really, I mean, I, you know, 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. For me, it ended with, like, Saving Private Ryan and Matrix. Those were the last stories that had a budget and a and a, and a pizzazz behind it that were still human and, and relatable stories. And even the, fir- the first Iron Man, the first Transformer, you know, like, uh, okay, it's about a kid in his car and first love and all that. And then it just became, like, there's robots who I don't just don't care about. Like there's room for all of that. Like some of my, I love click. Remember click. Mm-hmm. Most people are always like, you asshole made me watch. And I was like, what are you talking about? It has, you know, it's, and it's an old square Adam Sandler thing. And I know it doesn't hold up, but like it has some beautiful moments in it, you know, that are so worth sitting through it. And then, you know, plenty of guilty pleasures of, like yeah. Die Hard, that's an action movie, you know. It's a Christmas. But, oh my god, so it is fun. a Christmas movie. It's the best <laughs> it Christmas a, movie. It is a Christmas movie. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Ways. How does what I like uh, uh, affect you? <laughs> you know. Yeah. I yeah. think that's. I think Kara would agree with me. People are too involved in other people's business. When I think if everybody just left each other alone, and I don't mean yeah, left each other alone or took care of their business. Yeah, my job. You know, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, especially now, and with this comes from me having picked up the the trauma release work, Mm -hmm. a new side thing that just popped up with COVID and after doing ayahuasca. It's like, just take care of yourself. If the news and the politicians and everybody was like, look, back off of changing others, get yourself really clean you know, whatever you want to call it, healed, kind, get yourself into the place where you are no longer going to yell at people. Even if they, you know, it's the Jesus thing. And I, I've never been very religious, but it's like, just just be kind, man. 
Just be kind, be loving. And if you can't, well, you got no business trying to help, uh, fix others or help others. You know, and that was that was another thing that bugged me about COVID, this narrative of like, well, you're doing it to like help us. I was like, back off. You telling me that this government and our society right now really cares? No, you're scared. I had much more respectful people that were like, I'm just really terrified. I was like, well, good. Take care of yourself. Get vaccinated, wear the mask. I fully support that. Right. But this narrative of like, you know, th- this is the way I see sickness, depression, anything that happens to you. It's just how I approach my life and my work. It's before it becomes a, a problem, a, you know, a muscular problem, a disease, whatever it is, it's an emotion. It's a thought pattern. Before it is that, it is energy. And so this is, uh, whatever happens to me, I've busted my shoulder riding horses. I had chronic back pain my whole life, uh, crippled by it um, when I was young. And I'm always like, what, what's, this is me. I'm creating this experience for a reason. Instead of going like, okay, well, what in my environment do I need to change? Who do I have to change? Who do I have to tell that it's their fault? You know, and that, and that is the biggest thing that COVID or no COVID right now, I'm like, let's all be adults again and just at least own ourselves. So let's, right. let's step away from yelling at each other and saying, you need to, and you need to. It's just like, no, 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 you need to. You know, we, I need to, you know. Well, and see, and that's the thing too, is like, I, I've raised my kids. I was a Disney child whenever I was growing up. Loved Disney we all movies. were. And I remember seeing, you know, like, I am very anti-hunting and things just because I was traumatized by Bambi and his mother dying by a hunter. And then, you know, like my dad went hunting and shot a deer and brought it home. And then I, I, I was like five years old and I was like, you killed Bambi. You know, like it was so traumatizing, but it has some of the best lessons in that movie. And one of them being, if you have nothing nice to say, then don't say anything at all. And I think that more people need to watch Bambi again in life, in the world, to understand the concept because Thumper's dad said it very well. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, amen. Well, not just that. Going back to the thing where people can't mind their own business is, and you said it, you said it just a second ago, Falk, you said there people have to blame. There, It has to be fault. It doesn't always happen fault you don't have to point the finger and say well this is because of what you know what you're so busy looking at me and bitching that I'm smoking you know you don't see your house is on fire behind you right people are so quick to try to out what everybody else is doing look inside like you said heal your own issues deal with your own issues right we're getting awful deep for talking with Hawkman but good I love it this is what I wanted. I'm so glad that, that you guys are having a conversation with me versus question one, question two. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. This is what I wanted. Yeah. Those kind of questions. <laughs> well, I mean, I was going to, well, I mean, I was going to say, did you ever get to meet Brandon Ralph and John Barrowman? I did. And if you did, did you have their emails and phone numbers? But other than that, I was I do. <laughs> I'll pass them on. No, I can't. I can't do that. But I can tell you, uh, uh, Brandon Routh is a, he is a Clark Kent, you know, I I like when people ask me about Brandon, because it's so easy to just say nice things. He's a very kind man. You know, he's a very uh, beautiful soul. And I've always enjoyed, and I would enjoy his performance tremendously is sort of that beautiful face with that beautiful body and then kind of that geeky personality and that softer heart you know he's, he's a good person uh and john barrowman is a master entertainer he's the best he's incredible yeah he's he will he will hold the room for you you know he's like i, I got this he's just i did conventions with him and i watched him i'm just like you are a entertaining machine you deserve all the success that you have i have um, been with him since doctor who he is fantastic yeah. yeah. Well, you can tell Brandon that he is my favorite Superman. And let me tell you, I am I would, sorry. Oh, he would love to hear that. I'm so sorry. Rest in peace. But he was my favorite Superman because he just fit it so well, like you said. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, his, it's his soul. He has a lot of that in him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Much do you got as you want. I love it. You've worked with, a, I mean, it's it's the flash, it's it's arrow. You've worked with a lot of cool people, but I think yeah. that might be the coolest of all because you've got this heart, you got this passion. I want you to come back and talk about ayahuasca. And I know I mispronounced oh. it because well, uh, it's it's a um, it's a medical practice based on the Amazon, right? Yeah, yeah. It comes from uh, from the Amazon. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a root and a vine from two separate um, plants, trees, and and which I find fascinating. That somebody ten thousand years ago was like that leaf boiled with this for so many hours done again and again and then do this and that and add water at this point creates this uh, and they do say they were told by the spirits of the forest which i 100 it makes way more sense than somebody just randomly figuring yeah. this out um yeah it was right before covid and i was going through a process again of depression where i said to cam i was like I will never have a psychosis again because I understand it. You know, there's this beautiful thing that happens when you kind of dislodge, you discover part of you that is constantly watching yourself, the higher part of you that kept me safe and that knew something was really wrong here. And here's how you have to at least act to survive this. Um, but I was, I was reaching a point again in my life where I was heavily depressed. I moved to Bend, life was much better, but career-wise and and this subject matter of like, why can't we be more nice and authentic? And why can't I do, you know, I can't find my place. I was like, I'm not gonna make it, you know? And I believe you manifest your own cancers, your own things. These are all tools of your body to go wake up, change, you know? Um, Which is very triggering for some, which I understand. Um, But that's my belief. and. I was like, I'm going to die. So I'm going to go and do this ayahuasca thing that I had heard of many, many years ago by Aubrey Marcus. Um, and I was just scared of it because of the psychosis element, right? The hallucinogen element. But I was like, I got nothing to lose. So uh, we weren't getting pregnant. You know, we wanted to have a kid and we weren't getting pregnant. And so I went and did the journey. I found somebody that does a one-on-one. So I felt safe. Um, and changed my life i mean it just it's just it's an upgrade of how conscious you can stay in your regular life this is the best way i can describe it the shortest way that doesn't do it any justice but i came back we got pregnant the night i came back she then went and did ayahuasca saw our child in cell form in a vision was supposed to get a period that time but said to the shaman uh i think i'm pregnant Sean was like, I didn't do that. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it's it's so just even that is a little miracle that came from a huge miracle that came from it. But it just changed my entire idea of who I am and how life works. You know, I, you start to see patterns. You start to go, oh, interesting. I do this and I do this and that's all out of fear. Why am I doing it? All right, well, let me face that and go through this and let's just be uncomfortable, but let's not create out of fear. Let's just feel the fear, deal with it inside, and then let's get to the table with other people and go, okay, here's what I want to create, right? Um, and I just continue, I continue to work with the medicine now. I think it's so powerful. I really hope it helps a lot of people. And I think it has the power to really change people. And same with cannabis. Then I got into breath work. I, I've been certified as a breath work coach for a long time. But always just did it for myself. I didn't, I'm like, I'm an actor. I'm not going to do anything else. And then COVID hit and people hit me up. And I was like, I think these people need support. And so I combined breath work with um, cannabis with intention. And it's the same thing. You know, all these drugs, medicines, expand your awareness. Give you a bit more juice in how aware you are. Again, you get paranoid on weed. It ain't the weed. You know, it's not the weed. Um, and I found such purpose. One session with the person I heal tremendously. I am so fulfilled. I am present. And it's so different from the acting thing. The acting thing was always very ego-centric, ego-based. Um, wh- where can I get fear-based? I've created a lot. I've always battled it, 
you know, I've always, I was aware of it, but I, I caved a lot to f- creating out of fear. Oh, let's just like go a little longer. Let's do this project. I don't really want to do it, but maybe it'll lead me to become somebody that I can finally love, you know, which never happened. It happened now. It happened with Swap Me and it happened after I exited uh, the, the mainstream world. And I'm still active in it and all that, but um, yeah, it just kind of, I lost my train of thought. Oh, <laughs> this energy work, the, the, the trauma release work. One session, it, it feels like I did something and I was a part of something and I gave something and I received so much. Yeah. And it was a huge lifesaver. Now I go from when am I called to find the investor or get a job auditioning in major Hollywood that feels right. And I'm only going to do them if they really feel called and I can actually be of service and I'm treated fairly and I'm seeing the way I see myself. And if that doesn't happen, I got this thing of like, who, you know, people just randomly call. I don't advertise. I don't want to make it a business. It's donation based. So if anybody wants to hit me up, that's at breath of change, 2020 at gmail.com. All right, cool. And I encourage anybody, if you got, I've seen with myself and other facilitators, it's, it's challenging because I say to clients, look like your migraine or your, your very physical ailment or your cancer you can get rid of it real damn fast if you're gonna become a different person. And so it's real powerful and it's amazing. And also it's, it's challenging to sort of go, well, you might wanna quit that job. You might wanna separate from that person. You might wanna speak the truth here, you know, or it's, I think that's the work of the future, you know, for people to realize that we're so much more than our, our the physical end product, you know? Um, oh man we gotta wrap up will you come back will you come back again anytime this was are you kidding me ladies this was so this is this is what i had really intended and hoped for you know i've done a few interviews now and i'm like more and more i was like okay i want conversations i want you know i just want we're just three people that are like hey what do you do in life um take care we'll set it up and hit we'll We'll come and we'll have another threesome. How about that? Oh, yeah. Threesome. I love it. <laughs> Don't tell the lady. I'm, I'm in. I'm game. <laughs> All right. Well, Falk, it, it has been an absolute pleasure talking with you. That and I actually learned something. And I love that. Kira, mm-hmm. you got final thoughts, hon? Um, yeah. Well, I really enjoyed speaking with you. And I would love to have you back just just it's I love that we were able to have kind of like a natural flowing conversation like we're just like three friends sitting down talking having a beer uh you know and we should um, have a beer next time yeah that's what I'm saying we should have a beer and just chill and hang out and just you know talk about all of the things and see where it goes and takes us um for people who would like to get in contact with you, what is the best way to follow you and to keep in contact with you? So so the patronage email, the patronage films at gmail.com. I will respond if you're a filmmaker, uh, financier, if you're on that. And there is a, a sorting through process if I do get overwhelmed, uh, which so far hasn't happened. So I'm, I answer all my own stuff. Breath of change is for those people who really want, are serious about like, I need help, you know? Um, and then for the ones that just want to say hi, uh, it's Instagram. That's the one platform that I'm personally, I have Facebook, but I forgot my login. Same with Instagram. If I get kicked out ever there, I don't, you can't get your password reset either when you're uh, like a certified account. So I'm like lost. Um but Instagram is the one still that I have access to. I do respond personally. I, I will say be patient. Sometimes it's, it takes me a while to get through, but that would be the one to follow me on. If you, you just want to say hi, or you're a fan of the shows or any of that. Um, but also hit me a personal note. You know, if you have something to say, or you, 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 if I can be of service and I have the tools and it doesn't take away from my family or myself or my own health, um, I'm, I'm happy to be of service to anybody that needs it. Sounds good. I tagged you, but I'm guessing you didn't see it. Do what? Say it again. Are you on Twitter as well? I have a Twitter account. I don't think I've tweeted since I did 
a show called Reckless because they told me to do it. I'm not, in my dream world, I have a landline and I get letters mm-hmm. and I ride horses all day and, you know, I'm out and about. So Instagram is, as, I love Instagram because it's kind of like my photo book of my life. Like I post stuff that I like, or, or talking, I, and lately I've been wanting to just tell people things. Um, but yeah, that's the only social media that I'm currently understanding. I'm also too old for TikTok. I still don't understand um, don't worry about it. You're not missing anything. <laughs> okay. Well, ladies, let me say thank you. Um, like I said, this is what I've been asking for. I, I wish you guys great guests for the future. I wish you a lot of health. I wish you a lot of love. And um, keep being awesome. Keep being this courageous to ask these questions, you know, to be open, to, to create a space for somebody like me to be able to just say, hey, here's what it is. You know, it's really... Uh, I think it's really important. Well, thank you for saying so. And please tell Brandon I said hello and that I'm single. I will. <laughs> I will. All right, Paul. Thank you so much. Have a great night. <laughs> this has been an Odd Imagination production. Here at Odd Imagination, you'll find book, film, television, and product reviews, as well as roundtable discussions, current events, and hot topics. We are advocates for equality and the freedom to be who you are, no matter what. Odd Imagination gets its name from autism and imagination, two things that are very important to us. Thanks to listeners like you, Odd Imagination Media is able to continue sharing stories that inform and inspire audiences around the world. If you would like to know how you can help donate to Odd Imagination Media so that way we might be able to continue doing what we're doing, please check out the description below.